This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 4th of April. In your Squiz today, farewell to an Indigenous icon, Malka Leifer is found guilty, an interest rate decision on the way, and the top toot roll. This is your Squiz today. Claire, Aussies found out yesterday that Indigenous elder Yunupingu had died at the age of 74 years old. Reports say he'd been ill for a long time and that he spent his last days at his northeast Arnhem Land home, surrounded by family and friends. He was a giant in the fight for Indigenous rights and yesterday PM Anthony Albanese remembered him as a leader a statesman, a great Yongu man and a great Australian. He really was a big figure in the fight for Indigenous rights over many decades. Mm. To go back into some of his background, he was the first chairman of the powerful Northern Land Council in the 1970s and he was named Australian of the Year in 1978 for his work in negotiating protections and compensation for Indigenous people when a uranium mine was developed in Kakadu. Uh, in 1988, Unipingu presented Prime Minister Bob Hawke with the Barunga Statement. Uh, it called for a treaty between Indigenous people and the Commonwealth. It actually still hangs in Parliament House today at the entrance to the Great Hall. Uh, he also guided the work of his brother's band, Yothu Yindi, and in recent years he chaired the Gama Festival. Uh, Squeezers might remember that that's where Albanese made his promise last year to enshrine the Indigenous voice to Parliament in our constitution. Yeah, Indigenous academic Marsha Langton yesterday described Unipingu as the greatest leader this country has ever known. And Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney also dedicated what she hopes will be a future successful voice referendum to him. She says his presence will stay with us as we go forward. And just on The Voice, Claire, there was a bit of activity on that yesterday too. Yeah, there was. The Coalition spokesman, Julian Lisa, was at the National Press Club yesterday. He was speaking about the Liberal Party's approach to the referendum. That's ahead of a meeting that the party is going to have tomorrow. Uh, Lisa has been a long-time Voice supporter, uh, but what he said at the press club is that Labor has abandoned the process and the spirit of partnership. He said that that's something that really should be in the run-up to this referendum. And he said that he's worried about the proposed second clause that would be inserted into our constitution if it's successful. That's the one that says that the voice will make representations to the parliament and the executive government of the Commonwealth on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Yeah, Lisa reckons that that poses the greatest risk of judicial interpretation, which basically means that he thinks the clause could prompt the High Court to be called in regularly to manage government processes. Lisa is essentially worried that will slow down decision-making. 
And in response to that, Albanese said he'd urge people like Lisa, who has a history of genuine support for reconciliation, to not just vote yes, but campaign for yes in the referendum. Claire, former school principal Malka Leifer's name has been in the headlines for more than a decade, and yesterday she was found guilty of abusing two former students, sisters Dassie Ehrlich and Ellie Sapper. Leifer was accused of 27 offences and the jury found her guilty of 18 of them. She was cleared of all charges, though, relating to another sister, Nicole Meyer, uh, and some of the charges concerning Ehrlich. The fight to bring Leifer to justice became an international saga. She fled from Australia in 2008 after the allegations emerged uh, and after some time it took more than 10 years to extradite her back to Australia from Israel. Her barrister, Ian Hill, said that that weight saw the sisters' accounts harden into false imaginations and false memories of false realities. Yeah, but another abuse survivor and advocate, Manny Wax, thanked the sisters for taking Lifer to court. She said she hopes yesterday's verdict gives them some peace of mind. Lifer is set to be sentenced on the 26th of April. It comes around pretty quickly every month, Claire. We'll find out if the RBA is going to hike Aussie interest rates for an 11th consecutive time after the Central Bank's board meets today. Yeah, I feel, Alice, like we should have a bell or something that we (laughs) ring for the first Tuesday of the month. Of course, that's interest rates day. Uh, And what we're going to see is some interesting commentary in the lead up to 2.30, which is when we'll hear from the Reserve Bank. And that's because there's competing views from economists about what is going to happen. Uh, Some say that we're in for another quarter percent hike. Others think that the Reserve Bank will hold steady on rates this month, and that's after last week's encouraging inflation data. Of course, rates have been going up because that's what the Reserve Bank is trying to do. It's trying to reduce inflation. Mm. So all of that combined with an uptick of property prices, uh, experts say, that maybe we will start to see rates fall at some point soon. Certainly the big four banks all predict a cut sometime in the next 12 months. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we've reached the cash rate peak just yet, Claire. Commonwealth Bank's Gareth Ed says it depends on what inflation does. He says the RBA board can pause in April while retaining full optionality to raise the cash rate in May. Yesterday was a massive day for female cricketers and for fans of our incredible Aussie female athletes, Claire. A new five-year pay deal proposed by Cricket Australia and the Australian Cricketers Association will see female players share an increased salary pool of $133 million. It's a new pay model for cricket that's set to be rolled out in July and what it proposes is pay rises for both male and female cricketers. But the Australian Cricketers Association boss, Todd Grenberg, uh, says that they particularly want to invest in the women's game and that's because they believe it has enormous capacity for growth. Uh, To break the numbers down a bit, the deal sees the highest paid female players earn about $315,000 annually, Uh, but the new model could see stars like Meg Lanning earn 
over a million dollars along with significant pay rises for others. So it's quite a step up. Yeah, those who play in the Women's Big Bash League and the Women's National Cricket League will have an average salary of about $150,000 a year. And that makes them the highest paid female athletes in Oz. Consumer advocacy group Choice has figured out what the people want, Claire. Their team's rated more than 30 types of toilet paper to determine the best and worst in Oz. They say they focused on things like structural integrity, softness and the disintegration time, which is the three most important things. And Alice, of course, one of the big things that we learned out of the pandemic is that toilet paper is the hot commodity to own. (laughs) So it's only right that we have a fair bit of focus on this. Uh, Top of the pile, we've got Quilton's Toilet Tissue Gold 4-ply, also their 25% more king-sized rolls. Um, These are the ones that have scored the highest, according to Choice, a score of 85% on those measures. Uh, When it comes to budget bog roll, we're talking about Audi Confidence 3-ply Extra Soft, Uh, it actually got a result of 82%, so it did pretty well. Uh, The one that's bottom of the pile is Ubambu Bamboo Unbleached (laughs) Toilet Roll 3-ply. It didn't do so well, particularly on the disintegration score. It got 0% for that. And for those who want planet-friendly options, Claire, Choice says that people should look for certification from the Forest Stewardship Council and also check out products in paper packaging. Squeeze the day, Claire. What do you have your eye on today? So following on from party day yesterday, uh, today's International Carrot Day. So it's celebrated on the 4th of April. Uh, every year it has a website so you know that it's legitimate. Uh, it really is a good day for carrot lovers all over the world uh, and for Carrot Day related activities. So good luck to you. Yeah, a good day to make a carrot cake, I think, Claire. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> And that wraps us up this morning. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.